Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. In today's episode, we are breaking down just baseball's MILB Team of the Year. And this is something that I've been excited to do for a little bit just because we get to recap all of the best performers this year. But what's fun about this, Jack, is you get the crossover of baseball's best prospects, but also some players who just performed like some of baseball's best prospects that aren't regarded as such and kind of talking about where they fit into the whole thing as well, because you can't deny the numbers and some of these guys, whether they're on a top 100 list or not put up silly numbers. This is the only podcast that is going to mention Roman Anthony and Luke and Baker in the same breath. And (laughs) this is Totally a culmination. And we we kind of said that in the intro to the article, the accompanying article, which you can follow along uh, at JustBaseball.com. If you want, you can also follow along here on YouTube. But th- the way we kind of worded it off the top was, yes, you, you know, prefer to put the top prospects on the team of the year, but you also have to acknowledge statistical importance. And that was the ultimate trump card where, you know, there are some young guys that were doing things at double A that got the nod over a slightly older guy at the same level or, you know, maybe somebody with a bit more prospect intrigue. But at the end of the day, the numbers are the numbers. So Blake Dunn, yes, he's on this team. Luke and Baker, yes, he's on this team. Do those guys have top 100 prospect intrigue? No, they do not. But they had amazing years in the minor leagues. And, and that's the awesome part is I love giving those guys some shine because, you know, we we are guys that just love minor league baseball. And as you're someone who works in it, I mean, just learning and, and getting to watch some of the people that, again, don't get the shine. I mean, we were, we were we were talking about Trey Cabbage for the last two years just because he's so much fun. Of course, not much prospect intrigue there, but then the guy gets an opportunity in the show. And you know what? All of these guys either already did, even if they're not big time prospects or will. 
get opportunities in the show. Will it be as long lived? Will they get as many chances? Maybe not, but they're going to get a chance here. And we saw that with Luke and Baker at the end of this year. Uh, we're going to see that with Blake Dunn next year. He'll get a crack and I will get to him in a second. I think he's a guy that actually has a chance to, you know, carve out a big league role. The last thing I want to mention before we jump into it and share the screen here for those on YouTube. And then for those who are listening, you can follow along with the article linked in the episode description. Uh, I, I think, for the most part, it was easy in terms of, okay, you can just look at numbers and say, this guy had better numbers than this guy. The one challenging aspect of these all MILB teams is you got to compare AAA and high A and double A and different levels and different challenges. And that's where, as you alluded to, Jack, the age kind of comes into, uh, you know, into play. And I think levels climbed, you know, if somebody had an exact same slash line to, to Jackson Holiday, you're going to give it to Holiday not because he's the number one prospect in baseball, but because he produced that slash line while climbing four levels. Like yeah. that, that has to be baked into it as well, right? How much was this guy challenged? How much did he rise to the occasion when being challenged at each level and being pushed up? If a guy stays the entire year in low A and puts up video game numbers, that's great. But I can't weigh that the same as a guy that gets brought up to high A and then double A, let's say, and puts up similar numbers. Yeah, and I think Roman Anthony is probably the best example of that because that guy climbed from low A to double A, uh-huh. um, as opposed to, you know, maybe some guys like a Justice Bigby was in double and triple this year. And Bigby, yes, deserving awesome. of first team, but so is Roman Anthony. And, you know, considering Anthony is what, four or five years younger and yeah. he climbed like that, I mean, y- you have to take into account that this guy like put himself on the prospect map. Like nobody was talking about Roman Anthony as a top 100 prospect coming into this year. And now you've got him as a top 20 prospect in baseball. There's something to be said about that. A hundred percent. And let's jump into it because this is a, a fun crop here. And again, you can follow along with the article that's linked or, you know, follow along with us here on YouTube. We're going to go position by position here. We'll mention some of the honorable mentions after we hit on the, you know, the winner here and, and the winner of each position and catcher, not much suspense. It's Samuel Basayo of the Baltimore Orioles. And what's, what's amazing about Basayo and Jackson holiday, both of which we're going to talk about in this episode is that, and I have a tweet that's embedded in this. It, it was two of the best full minor league seasons from a teenager ever and they both did it in the same year in the same organization. So it shows you what the Orioles are building. We've talked about that. But focusing specifically on Basayo, this is just another example of a guy who climbed three levels. And that was the trend of this year, I just feel like, is a lot of young talent getting pushed and rising to the occasion, which was really remarkable. So 114 games, he slashes 313, 402, 551. 26 doubles, seven triples, 20 homers, and he strikes out just 19% of the time. I don't know if he sticks behind the dish, Jack, but it's become abundantly clear that that's not going to matter because the bat is just so special. It's just amazing to see what he did. And then he finishes the year, by the way. Four double-A games, I don't like small sample sizes, but when you bring a 19-year-old, it was his age 18 season too, but 19 at this point, to double-A, and he picks up seven hits and strikes out once. (laughs) <laughs> that that's telling me something. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I, I had some not hyperbole. I had some lofty expectations for Basayo that I made clear on this show a couple of weeks ago. I think that this guy maybe next year is the best power hitting prospect in the minor leagues because of the age, because of the level. And I don't care if he's catching or playing first base in that case. Like the bat is amazing. Nobody this big 
should be hitting seven triples and swiping 12 bags. But that's what this guy, he's a big dude that motors exceptionally well. Um, he's a freak of nature. And Basayo, Holiday's the best of the bunch. Yeah. But this Orioles system is far and away the best system in baseball. Yes, because of Holiday. Yes, because of Kowser and Kerstad and Westberg and Ortiz. But Basayo, man, I mean, this yeah. guy like was hardly off the complex coming into this year. And everybody said, watch out for this kid. And we get 114 games and we know what we were watching out for. I mean, 50 games to close the season out, Jack. 335. And this is as he's rising up, right? 335, 454, 653 slash line. That's an 1107 OPS, 16% walk rate, 19% K rate. He's amazing. And, and, and I'm trying to trying to figure out how far we can push this guy up our top 100 you know, final uh, list to here in 2023, which is just about close to finished here. We've been t- trying to iron out the last couple players who are going to sneak in here, some names that may surprise people. But I'm also kind of stressed about how high can we push some of these guys up? Because I'm really just trying to think about it from the standpoint of this. How many prospects am I taking over Samuel Basayo if I'm building a franchise? And I, I, don't, I don't know if there's 30. I, I, I don't think there are. Well, catching prospects, how many are there? Even less. <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, I hope you know, so. I mean, but, but of course, I mean, that's a cop-out answer. But um, a couple, yeah. if that. I Jefferson Carroll, I think, is the one that comes to my mind. But there. I mean, Carroll limped to the finish line and Basayo, but the difference is Carroll's a true catcher, right? And yeah. that's, that's where it gets a little tough. Uh, right. But so, I mean, it's, it's so awesome to see. And you got to look at Basayo like you did Tyler Soderstrom. Where that's exactly the name person. I had in the in my mind. I'm so glad you said that. That's exactly. It's so funny that we're getting uh, Kid Cudi ads, by the way, on the website. Because I'm going yeah. to that concert on Friday. Are um, you? Yeah, I am going. So uh, they they know. I, I think it's targeted even on our own website, which is wild. Uh, I love but that. It, it's actually pretty nice. Nice picture there uh, on the article. But yeah, it, it's it's got to be exactly from the Soderstrom cloth. But to that point, if we're using the just baseball precedent. Soderstrom was high on our list uh, and, and that was off the bat. So Basayo has got to be in that same equation. To me, the bat is reminiscent of a Tristan Casas. And, and I think when you have that kind of offensive ability, that's a top 20 prospect. Top 20 yeah. prospect. So it'll be fun. Do want to shout out the honorable mentions here because yeah. we're not going just one at each position and, and move on. We didn't do a second team and a third team because, you know, there are guys like, if we could, and if we had the time and the bandwidth, we would have put together fifth and sixth teams. But that's the thing. And there's just so many guys. And once I get to second and third team, I get even more stressed about yeah, because like then like oh this guy wasn't even third team like he's not even there. Yeah. So we we kind of noted everybody that needs to be noted. And our honorable mentions at the catching position were Andrew Cassetti with the Twins, who had an exceptional year. Jefferson Carroll, you mentioned limp to the finish line, but this guy was a teenager slash 20 years old in double A with those tack balls and held his own and looks like a top three catching prospect in baseball. Dalton rushing rolled out of bed and walked Tyrone Lorenzo, both those guys with the Dodgers. Lorenzo was a guy that like he was fake name category coming into this year, but spent the year with Rancho Cucamonga at the low A level And this guy was incredible. And then Ben Rice, limited sample with the Yankees, but this guy put up an OPS closer to 1,100 than 1,000. So those were our honorable mentions. Yep. And and I mean, all all of which had great years. Rushing battled some concussion issues, which kind of 
I think gave him a little bit of a lull in the middle of the season where he was slumping. And I, I really do think it, it was exactly that. It was just an uncharacteristic slump from him. Caro, I think just got fatigued at the end of the year. He was catching almost every day in double a raking and, and doing all those things to is one of the most underrated catching prospects in baseball rice bat first, probably not catching. And then you mentioned Lorenzo or Lorenzo is just a, a really exciting player there. Um, the, the tweet here, it's so weird, and this shows you just like how much of a nerd I am with, with this kind of stuff. But this tweet, which for those who are just listening, it's highest OPS by teenage prospects since 2010, minimum 400 plate appearances in full season ball. Bo Bichette, 988 OPS in 2017. Edgar Caro, by the way, which is pretty funny. Uh, not a guy you'd want to trade, right? 965 OPS uh, in 2022 at low A. Samuel Basayo, 953 OPS, but that's an Low A, high A, double A. Byron Buxton in 2013 and 944 between low A and high A. Jackson Holiday this past year between all the levels. We'll get to him. Will Myers and Mike Trout, both of which low A, high A. This just shows you how absurd of a year it's been from the two Orioles farmhand. But Sig, uh, Sig Maydell, or M- Maydell, Maydell, Sig Maydell, the uh, assistant GM of the Orioles, quote tweeted this tweet. And just said like, "Hey, would you look at that?" <laughs> you know, and honestly, that was one of the coolest things that, that that I felt like happened to me. I just wanted to like, I, I saw that and I was like, "No way!" That 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 made, that made me more excited than the players themselves. I think quote tweeting it. I don't know. I don't know if that says something about me, but I thought that was awesome. So I, I love that Sig being social media active. Yeah, no, that's huge. And also, like, I love that he's taking victory laps on these guys because if any farm system like ever deserves a victory lap from the AGM. It's the 2023 yeah. Baltimore Orioles farm system. It was a tasteful one too. It was just like, Hey, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. just like he said it, we, not me. Wouldn't you know, we nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> We're the best. Um, I, speaking of the best dude, I, I'd argue Jonathan Ronda had the best minor league season. If you look across the board and I, I that's what I'm going to ask you at the end. And I'm going to ask the listeners and I'm going to ask those who are watching on YouTube or, or listening that want to tweet at us. Tell us who you think had the best minor league season out of all of these guys. Of course, Jackson Holiday was our hitter of the year for the reason of being able to just, you know, produce across all those levels and all the things we talked about. But statistically speaking, I want to know who everybody thinks had the best season, because I think you can make a really strong case for Jonathan Aranda, first base, Tampa Bay Rays, who in Durham this year, man, I mean, he, he put up a fantastic year last year in AAA. And then this year, he's like, you know what? I don't want to be here again. So he just absolutely demolishes to a 339, 449, 613 slash line in 95 games, 25 homers, 23 doubles, 81 driven in. That's on pace for like 140 and then 15% walk rate, 20% K rate. I mean, when you pretty much do everything you want to see, I mean, we're talking about seven more homers and nine less games while walking more, striking out less and gaining 21 points in the batting average department. I mean, th- this guy had nothing left to prove in AAA, and I was actually really happy to see him put up slightly above average numbers when he got called up to the big leagues. I'm excited for a full Aranda season next year. Are we going to get one, or is he just going to be in Durham again? He might get traded. I, yeah. I, mean, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, it, I wish I knew. I think when you look at Brandon Lau and obviously the Wander situation and you know Taylor Wall is looking like he's not really a long-term piece for you. And I know that these are all different types of players, but these are middle infielders. And Aranda's going to play first, going to play a little second. I, I wonder if they want to clutch on a little bit more to certain guys. But then you see Caminero go up there, and they put Caminero, we're going to talk about him, they put him in short in the big leagues. Yeah. You know, and that, that shows you how, how much confidence they have in him. 
they're going to have a 40-man crunch. I think we could see a Ronda moved. I think a lot of teams will obviously be interested in him. But he pretty much just did everything you wanted to see. He improved everything he possibly could improve. And it just got to the point where it's like, all right, let's just see what this guy can do at the big league level. Yeah, Aranda, I think it was a pretty even split between first base and second base in his time in Durham. Um, he did DH a little bit, but don't care about that. Our DH was a very easy pick, and the DH yeah, is actually some my funny pick. Numbers. There's some funny numbers I was able to pick up in there. There's, I, I wanted to just find some like weird or, or hilarious stat thresholds for guys, like given how absurd their years were, and there's one on him that I'm excited to get to. Yeah, um, but Aranda, man, like it was – you said – it. You know, maybe the best stat line. I think it is the most pleasing because yes. yes, you've got 25 homers in 95 games. He drove in 81. The advanced metrics are excellent. The WRC plus great. The K rate excellent. The walk rate elite. But the thing that jumps out to me is this guy hit 340 with 25 homers. This is the judge thing where judge hit 62. Yes, but he also hit 311. Like yeah. you get that many hits, like you're going to be really good. And um, man, I, I thought Aranda was as balanced as they came in the minor leagues this year. And uh, the fact that he packed a punch, there are two different ways you can look like you don't want to be in the minor leagues. Um, you can either suck and yeah. sulk yeah. Uh, or you can hit 340 with 25 homers in 95 games. And Aranda chose the better one. 450 on base. I, this is this is a player here that I gotta give my my buddy Griffin Conine credit for uh, putting on my radar when they were when he was in single A, uh, maybe at high A at that point. He shot me a note and was like, "Dude, Jonathan Aranda makes hitting look easier than any guy I've seen so far in pro ball." And I was like, "This guy, like the twenty thousand hour guy, whatever it was, you know." And and sure enough, I start watching, start following, and it was just like it was a different level <laughs> and it's amazing. And he just hasn't stopped. And since then has added power. And that's been the big thing was how much power was he going to hit for? Everyone knew he could hit for average. Was he going to hit for power? And and here we go. Not yep. only the doubles, the homers uh, and, and the EVs are, are strong. Honorable, Honorable mentions. Men. Yeah. yeah. No, Friend of the program really. who we're yeah. going to hopefully get on the show this off season. Um, I wouldn't say hopefully like it's just like we'll, we'll get him on this off season. Troy Johnston, one of the best human beings, Mar- Marlins minor league player of the year. Um, much deserved. I mean, he went nuts, also stole 20 bags. Uh, so that was pretty cool, but just absolutely mashed this year. Spencer Horwitz, stud. Uh, just another really underrated bat over in, in Toronto. Went up to the big leagues, put some nice swings on balls up there for a little bit. Uh, he's another really good hitter there. And then Austin Shenton in Tampa Bay. I mean, another prospect here where you wonder where he's going to settle defensively, but man, Shenton was an offensive monster this year and just continue to just mash homers left and right. Funny little tie-in here, Johnston, Troy Johnson and Austin Shenton played high school, uh, I think summer ball together, in the Seattle area, Hmm. which is pretty interesting. So two guys from the Northwest balling out this year. You're playing in the state of Florida. You can't get farther away from home. No, not at all, which is really funny. But uh, congratulations to those guys on awesome seasons. Second base, Colt Keith. And uh, this is a Colt Keith podcast. Uh, I think there's certain names that you just hear more, like a ton, a ton, a ton of. And, you know, it's funny. I Anytime I bought a Gabriel Moreno card on, on eBay, uh, a couple of times I got like a, a note. Like, oh, I recognize your name from the Locked On MLB Prospects at the time. Uh, 
I, I had a feeling you'd be interested in some of these Moreno cards. Like, I feel like Keith might be the same thing. Someone's going to recognize my name when I keep trying to scoop up all his cards. But Cole Keith of the Detroit Tigers, man, it it was everything we could have wanted and more, I think, this year between double A AA and triple A. 126 games, 306, 380, 552 slash line, 38 doubles, 27 homers, 101 driven in, 21% K rate. This comes after a year, I thought last year he was ready to break out, right? He plays about 48 games or 40-something games, tearing it up in high A, messes up his shoulder, then goes to the fall league and and makes up for lost time a little bit. But this is just as safe of an offensive profile as you're going to find. They've got another guy that I think is just going to produce Kerry Carpenter-type numbers, maybe yeah, like something pretty much along those same lines. And I can't wait to see what he does next year. I think he's a, a break camp candidate here. Age 21 season, these kind of power numbers at the upper minors with the approach that he has. Cole Keith is one of the best bats in the minor leagues. Yeah, so there was an article written by Cody Stavenhagen, I think beginning of this year, was the beat guy for the Tigers for the Athletic that I brought up with Colt. If you listen to that interview uh, on the call-up that came out, what, last week, early last week with Keith and Justin Henry Malloy. By the way, Malloy was like first guy left on the cutting room floor for this when we get to the outfield or or third base um, because Malloy had an exceptional year too. And I know that MLB Pipeline had him on their all MILB team. Um, But Keith, you know, I I brought this article up because he was training with, I I think, an Olympic sprinting coach this past offseason the 22 to 20 or the 21 to 22 offseason he spent bulking and he got big strong powerful but he felt like he lost a little bit of lateral quickness so he wanted to find that perfect body and he found it by going through this olympic sprinting <laughs> regimen this offseason and my favorite quote from that article was i threw up a lot and like <laughs> this guy is just you know, shaking his hands, sitting next to him, seeing him operate in person for a week. You don't realize that this guy is 21 years old. He looks like he has the body of a 26 year old that spent seven, eight years in a big league weight, you know, like program. He's amazing. And, you know, we talked about the 30 homer, 100 RBI, 300 thresholds. And the fact that he got two of three and he was three homer shy of 30. It, it was a damn near perfect season for Colt Keith. Especially just being able to be challenged at double A there. I mean, again, we just mentioned he was he played in high A and only got to play half a third of the season because he was hurt and then gets an aggressive you know assignment to double A. To your point, the work ethic. I mean, if you want to see how much power this guy added, just look at the power output from before that, you know, going into 2021, 2022, and then now what we see. And you can see it in the EV department. You can see it across the board. But to regain some of that mobility was huge on the defensive side of things as he's continued to try to solidify himself as, as a passable defender, you know, at the second base position and or third. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm becoming even more of a fan of his by day. The interview you did with him is awesome. For those that want to check that out, go look a couple episodes back. That's audio only, though, uh, for those who are on YouTube. But uh, this is another break camp guy and another, I think, rookie of the year candidate next year. If, if they allow him to come up early enough, and they have no reason not to. Uh, yeah. he, he he's can fit right in at second base there or somewhere in that infield and and help them immediately. Some other second baseman, Tamar Johnson. I mean, he exceeded my expectations in a lot of ways this year. So much more power than I think a lot of people thought. A little bit more whiff, but he hedged that and got better and better and was really really awesome in that pirate system. Xavier Edwards for the Marlins. 
I mean, he he there was a span where he was like Luis Arias light in Triple A, you know, just hitting four hundred, basically never never striking out. Slowed down a little bit, but still put up ridiculous numbers. Got caught up to the big leagues and helped the Marlins make a little bit of a playoff push there. And then Thomas Ajayzi. I mean, we, we this is also a Thomas Ajayzi pod. It is such a fun, unique. I mean, the guy stands upright, no batting gloves. Basically, doesn't even really get into like any crazy load. It's he's almost like still. It reminds me of Chase Utley in a different way, where Utley. Yeah. Like he wasn't, you felt like he was never said it would like give you anxiety. Like he'd just bring his bat up over his shoulder and then load and go. So so Jay Z's like still like moving his feet around, like adjusting his hands. And then like he gets into a swing. It's like, whoa. Um, You know what it is? I love that. It's the most loose and relaxed setup. And the guy hit for the cycle this year and just demolished even after the trade. He could have easily been on this uh, first or second team, too. So a very strong honorable mention as well. Now with the Cardinals. He was Bonds meets Ted Williams meets DiMaggio when he got traded to St. Louis. (laughs) For like a span of a couple weeks there. It was one of the craziest stretches I've ever seen. I'd actually love to pull that up real quick. Yeah, it was an amazing stretch. The guy that I'm thinking of, um, you know, when I watch the Jay-Z swing is Arenado. Because Arenado, he's got, you know, the foot, the feet kind of bouncing up and down off the ground. And and all of a sudden he's into the swing. Obviously, there are intricate differences between (laughs) Jay-Z and Arenado. But yeah, it's it's like, oh, shit, now time to swing like that. That's kind of the Jay-Z thought that I get there. And uh, honestly, early stages of Arenado in Colorado, I was like, how is this guy ready to swing? But he swings and he hits the ball incredibly well. And he's a Hall of Famer. Yep. <laughs> you got that right. Uh, so Jay-Z, I mean, there was some like tweener aspects to the underlying data. And then down the stretch, just started to make a ton more contact when he got to triple A. I think that really worked in his favor too, as he's an aggressive hitter, encouraged him to sh- shrink the zone a little bit, which was nice to see started walking more. And all of a sudden the hit tool looked like it was trending well above average. And, and all of a sudden the contact rates were really good. I have a 17 game span after the trade here where he hit 359, 447, 750. Perfect. 750 slug in 17 games, six homers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was the best hitter in minor league baseball following that trade, which was really cool to see. <laughs> and a nice – I mean, dude, we'll, we'll talk about it in the offseason, but I think the Cardinals did pretty well on a lot of these deals with the guys yep. that they were able to bring in. Yep. Shortstop. Drum roll, real, real big suspense here. Jackson Holiday, Baltimore Orioles. I mean, this guy was the most impressive player in the minor leagues, all things considered. There's, there's two guys that I think started in low A and finished in Triple A or higher, and they're both on this on in this article. It's Jackson Holiday, and I think it's Orion Kirkering. I don't know if there's anybody else that started in low A and finished in trips. I might, I might be forgetting somebody, but I mean, Jackson Holiday, 125 games between low A, high A, double A, Triple A. 323, 442, 499, 30 doubles, 9 triples, 12 homers, 75 driven in, 24 bags, could be a little bit more efficient. Did get thrown out nine times. 17% walk rate. I mean, it just I don't I don't know if we've ever really seen a minor league season like this. Maybe some other guys, maybe a Bryce Harper or some of these other generational talents could have done it, but they weren't challenged to do so. Jackson Holiday was challenged to do so. And at 19 years old, not only did he hold his own at each stop, I thought, oh, double A will catch up to him. Nope. Triple A, a little bit slow out of the gate. Oh, I thought that would catch up to him. Then he closes out the year with a torrid 10 games on Norfolk's way to their you know, title in triple A. 
1,018 OPS over his final 10 games in AAA, despite being seven years younger than the competition. So the only difference between this and something you or I would do on road to the show in MLB the show is he walked at a 17% clip. (laughs) And I know that in video games, walking is stupid and nobody does it. No, that's the only difference. (laughs) Like this is as close to a video game season as we possibly get. I, I, We've talked about the word unbelievable. I think unbelievable is incredibly overused. Yes. Um, but I think video game numbers is also incredibly overused. <laughs> yes. At this age, climbing this many levels, hitting the way he did, I think this is the closest thing that we've seen in a long time to video game numbers. I think it's unbelievable video game numbers. <laughs> like it's, it's funny because I, I thought about that. And once you brought that to my attention as a broadcaster freak that you are in like yeah. terms of thinking of like the verbiage that Just we call use. Call me a Man. Yeah, it was just thinking about the words that we use is important when you're literally describing things for an audience. And unbelievable would fit the bill here because if you told me, and I think this is the the way to approach it, right? Is if you told me that this would happen before the season, would I have believed it? The answer is no, it's probably unbelievable. I was super bullish on Jackson Holiday, of course, as everyone was. He was the number one overall pick in the 2022 draft. Love the swing. But I don't think I'm buying that. If you told me, if you Sent me this little snapshot and said he does this and he finishes the year in AAA and he does that in AAA. I'd say no shot. I, I wouldn't believe it. So that that makes Jackson Holiday season unbelievable to me. Yes. But I mean, this was just a really remarkable, I would say, bat to ball performance and and feel for the barrel. But this guy's just scraping the surface of the power too. And when you get the the thirty nine extra base hits in addition to the twelve home runs, so it's going to be fifty one extra base hits. But, I mean, already a ton of doubles, a ton of gappers, and then sneaking out those 12 homers. He's going to hit 20, 25, maybe even 30 homers once he's all the way filled out. But the field of hit already being there and already flashes of that power, I can't wait for this guy to, to grow into a man and see what kind of player that looks like because he's still a kid. He going to play second base next year for the Baltimore Orioles? I think there's a very legitimate chance he does. Yeah. Third base. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Uh, honorable honorable mentions. Mentions. Yeah, honorable mentions. Jet Williams, New York Mets. Holy crap, what a year. That's going to be a big climber uh, from non-ranked to, you know, well up there on our top 100 list. Mason Wynn, St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, another dude. We talked about him all year. He was spectacular and then earned himself a big league call-up. And then Von Grissom, who I think would have been on starting in the big leagues on a lot of different teams, of course, put up big numbers in AAA with the Braves. I'd say Williams was the most surprising in terms of how well he performed because yeah. we've always been excited about Mason Wynn. And always, you know, that was a guy that entered the year as a top 50-ish prospect, I think. Uh, Williams, it's been remarkable just seeing the patience, a little bit more power than you'd expect from a 5'8 guy, good field to hit. He's a, he's a special bat there at second base. Yeah, the only other guy that was a very – um, I spent a lot of time thinking about him was Ryan Bliss. Uh, I think yeah. Bliss, you know, was probably deserving and maybe sneaking on. But uh, those three considering, you know, the prospect intrigue and Grissom, like Grissom could have lied down <laughs> after that two year extension from Arcia or for Arcia. If I'm Vaughn Grissom and I'm in Gwinnett the entire year and I'm doing what he did. I could be so pissed on a daily basis, but the fact that he wasn't, he put up those freakish numbers, 
he's going to make some team very happy. And I don't think it's going to be the Atlanta Braves. I think Atlanta is going to trade him. And I think Von Grissom is going to be a good shortstop moving forward. And I mean, he's in the dugout now in the, in the playoffs and he's one of the guys who seem most pumped for the teammates. And yeah, I, I just think that guy's got the work ethic to continue to, to shore up defensively. I don't think it was as much of an indictment on him as now you're watching Orlando Arcia day in, day out at shortstop. He's a great, he's turned into a great defender there. People, people forget he was a top 10 prospect in the game. It was a long time ago. It was like 2017, 2018, but, the but talent's there. the talent's there. He was a top 10 prospect in baseball, Orlando Arcia. Yeah. And he worked hard with Ron Washington and just had a little bit more of the natural ability to play short. And that's what they needed. They didn't need an offensive minded shortstop, which is what I think Grissom would ultimately be. They needed a well-rounded shortstop that can anchor the bottom of the, the lineup. And that's exactly what Arcia has done. So I'm interested to see where Grissom fits in long term. Junior Caminero is definitely going to carve out a role with the Tampa Bay Rays next year. And, and that's largely in part to the season that he had this year uh, with, with the Tampa Bay Rays across high A and double A. And then, of course, getting brought straight up to the big leagues from double 324, 384, 591 slash line, 18 doubles, six triples, 31 home runs, 94 driven in a 20 percent K rate. This dude, when it comes to we, we talked about the, the X, Y axis, right, in terms of balancing exit velocities and contact rates. I don't think there's anybody in the minor leagues balancing elite, you know, 100th percentile exit velocities, because that's really where he's at in terms of the, the minor league crop. He's, you know, in the top one percent, uh, I'd yeah. say top zero point five percent. He might be number one. I, I, I'm not able to do full leaderboards like that, but I'm pretty sure he's number one. And then on the other side. The contact rates are just a hair above average. So when you have elite, elite, elite power numbers and slightly above average contact rates and an approach that improved, that's where you get 324 with 31 pumps. And what was uh, – remind me because there's so many young guys. Was He was 19 at the, at the start of the season, is now 20 years old. Right? Yes. So, I mean – and this strikeout rate dropped as the year went on. Pretty much you, you take out the first month of the season where he worked out some kinks. He pretty much from that, and he still hit, but he was just striking out a little bit more. Strikeout rate was around 17, 18% after the first month of the season. So it wasn't even like a pre-tacked ball or a tack to no tack, like which we're going to talk about with, with Owen Casey. This was just first month, shook off the rust, dominated. And yeah. I mean, to me, this was, again, arguably if it wasn't Jackson Holiday, I think this is this could be your minor league hitter of the year. He was listed at 157 pounds coming into this year. I don't think anybody that weighs 157 hits 31 homers. Um, or, or has a 90th percentile exit velocity of 110. He's a freak of nature. Uh, and I think that, you know, we got to see that. That was Peter's big takeaway. The Futures game was like, wow, that dude's huge. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> guess what? He, he just turned 20 literally last week. He mm-hmm. turned 20 on July 5th. Um Caminero is a guy that I don't, you latch on to certain guys. Like I think I don't, I don't think you have favorites on the top 100. I think that you look at it from a very objective lens, but Zach Fiend's my favorite player of all time. And um, Cam- Caminero. So, yeah. What? He said he's not on the top 100. So yeah, there's, it, he yeah. will be next year. And when yeah. he has a 50 homer season at Coors in 2027, he'll be, I don't know, we'll be kicking ourselves. But um, Caminero, I, I think, became one of my favorite prospects in the minor leagues yeah. this year because it's it's so much fun 
to watch the ball fly off his bat and the sound is different. There's just something satisfying about it. There's certain players where it's just a different level of satisfying to watch them connect with the baseball. And I'm with you. I mean, Caminero, the kind of whip that he generates and the finish with his swing. And you just watch that ball take off. There was the one he hit over the scoreboard. And it's just, I could watch it over and over and over. And I think that it's it's not unique to us. Like, I think he's going to captivate the MLB and, and, and larger baseball audience the way he's captivated the prospect community over the last year. Um, and, and of course provides nightmares to Cleveland fans because geez, would that, I, I feel so bad for Cleveland Guardian fans. That would just, it's a painful reminder all the time of, of what could have been pretty much what they need more than anything, a power hitter. That's not going to whiff egregiously, but anyways, Rays have a good piece here. The fact that they were, you know, a lot of the questions with him were the defense. I thought he improved drastically. I think he's a fine third baseman. I said that though, going into last year. Uh, but the fact that the Rays were even willing to play him at all at shortstop, it was a little bit of a testament to the situation they were in, but also a testament to the fact that, hey, he's passable. He can make the plays he needs to make, and the bat's going to carry the load. But I think he can play you know, all over the infield a little bit, and, and that's extremely valuable when you're getting the offense that you're getting. Yeah, I think that they're, they're probably getting a bunch of hybrids, right? Because Meade has proven that he can play second base. I know he made some errors in the wildcard series, but Meade can play second and third. Basabe can play third, second, and short, and Caminero can probably play third, second, and short. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to kind of just find who's best at what spots and, and figure it out from there. And I'm I'm interested to see how they handle things. I wonder how much confidence they have in these young guys, and whether that you know kind of pushes them to trade a Brandon Lau because of just his you know injuries and things like that, and see if they can kind of plug and play with with some young guys. So. I'm sure that the hedge fund will come out this offseason in terms of that that angle on things and yeah. how they want to you know allocate some of these assets. But honorable mentions, Michael Bush, I'm so freaking tired of talking about you. And, and that's out of out of love. Uh, it's not his fault. But, man, if he can just hit a little bit more at the big league level when he gets those really brief and unfair like, yeah. tastes, <laughs> like I, I would just please just I don't want to rank him anymore. Uh, there's a few guys that are getting in that territory that we'll talk about in the top 100 update. But again, Michael Bush doing what he can control, mashing in AAA. And he did just that this year. Kobe Mayo, for me, I, I think you can make a really strong case for him getting this spot here as well because of what he did across the two levels. But overall, full body of work, Caminero obviously just had the better year. But Kobe Mayo with the Orioles, I thought had one of the most impressive seasons in the minor leagues as well age level all things considered and being able to tap into this power cut down on the case i thought it was a really special season from him friend of the show go check out that episode as well i'm sure we'll get him on again sometime soon he's the man and then tyler black milwaukee brewers i know you got some good looks at him i got to see him at the end of the year so fast good feel to hit sneaky juice stole a ton of bags really awesome year for tyler black too who should be a part of the the plans next year for the brewers and seems comfortable enough defensively, too. Um, this was a really tough position because Caminero, Bush, and Mayo are all first-team deserving. Mm-hmm. If we could slap them at a bunch of different spots, you you would, but this is the nature of the beast with these all MILB teams. It's tough. It is no doubt tough. And outfield may have been as tough as any position. And that's where we go into Owen Casey here with the Chicago Cubs. This has got to be the, like I called my shot one here. Yeah. I got to pat myself on the back on this one, man. I mean, uh, we put him up there high on the top 100 list going into the year, but it wasn't just that. I, I, I just felt like 
I don't know. You talk about the favorites and things like that. Now we try not to pick them. Owen Casey, I felt like I had to like advocate for because I just was so floored by the lack of of respect he was getting, and especially in the power department. I understand that there's not uh, there's some concerns with the swing and miss, and we'll get to that. But I mean, just listen to these 2023 stats in his age 20 season at the Double A level, dealing with the the tacked balls in the Southern League. 289, 399, 519 slash line, 31 doubles, 22 homers, 84 driven in, 14% walk rate, 31% K rate. 31% K rate is what stands out, right? But you look at what he did down the stretch, especially. You take the from the point of which the tacked balls were taken out of circulation. 307, 423, 510. That happened on July 14th, by the way. I mean, that's a ridiculous slash line. 16% walk rate, 28% K rate. Still, I mean, he's gonna whiff. He's six foot four powerful left-handed hitter with 110 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity. He's the only guy that I can think of with any sort of prospect relevancy. That's not like a 28 year old in triple a. And even then, I don't know if there was anybody in that department with a, a 90th percentile exit velocity within shouting distance or pretty much at the same level of junior Caminero in the, in the minor leagues. So, I mean, Casey was an offensive machine this year, just crushed home runs left and right. I thought could have hit from even more power this year, but a lot of doubles instead. But I mean, he was just so, so, so good. And to me is one of the best power hitters in the minor leagues. When you take Pat, when you take the the production, the EVs and the age and the level all into consideration and still more projection there. I think this guy can be an absolute monster. The haters look at the 31% K rate and they say, how is this guy first team? You have to be okay with it. Yeah. We had this conversation on the Just Baseball show. Kyle Schwarber hit under 200. Okay, I don't care. He had 46 homers and drove in 100. That's Casey, man. And and Whiff is always going to be a part of his game, like you're mentioning. Um, 31% is fine. And at the end of the day, this guy's getting on base at a 400 clip. He drove in 84 as a 20-year-old in double-A. What he did was – fully outstanding given the frame and given the limitations offensively for him. Yeah. And, and final 20 games cut that K rate to 23%. Again, hedges that with a ton of walks, increasingly patient as the year went on. And you mentioned, I mean, you, you got to highlight the tact balls for a guy that's long levered like him. Yeah. And you get that into the fouls are going to kill him. Yeah. And, and, and he adjusted and he improves and he's going to get better. I still think in the bat to ball department, like the contact rates are not that bad. Um, and, and they got better and better as the year went on and he's 21. It was his age 20 season. So I thought he was absolutely remarkable this year and without a doubt, you know, in, in the first team outfield next guy, Roman Anthony. I mean, the Boston Red Sox prospect, I think arguably was one of the biggest breakout guys, given where he was at the start of the year and where he ended up. Maybe you can talk about Basayo. You could talk about a couple other guys, but I felt like they had even a little bit more helium or a little bit more momentum rolling into this year. 2023 for Roman Anthony, he crosses three levels, low A, high A, double A. He's also a teenager. 106 games, 272, 403, 466 slash line, 27 doubles, 14 homers, 64 driven in, 16 bags, 18% walk rate. What stood out to me is he wore out the top of that monster in in Greenville. Oppo power, that's going to translate to Fenway as well. But then when he needed something to turn on something middle in, You'd see some light tower shots, extremely patient, runs like a 19, 20% chase rate. That's what helped him walk so much. And that's what helped him get on base at a 403 clip. Another dude that got better each level he climbed. 
Low A, he was still trying to figure out how to elevate more frequently. High A, he starts doing that. Talk about the oppo home runs and all that good stuff. And then he closes out the year in double A by going nuclear in about 10 games. This was a, one of my favorite guys to follow this year because he just kept wowing and just kept exceeding any reasonable expectation. Yeah. He is – I mentioned it. Like That guy was not considered top 100 by anybody. Nobody. You had an idea of who Roman Anthony was, but could you have told me like any certain data points or any certain data ballparks coming into this year? I would have said I would have said good EVs puts them on the ground too much. I could say that for a lot of guys. Yeah, like that's one of those huge buckets that you just drop people into. Yeah. Gabby Moreno, good EVs put the ball on the ground too much. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, like exactly. They're just two, two totally <laughs> different types of players that still fit in that bucket. So that's all I could have really told you is that and and the patience. But it's. It's been amazing to see him. And, and he still needs to lift a little bit more. I think that's why we only saw 14 home runs because he's got the power for 25 plus. But to do what he did this year, WRC plus by level, 109 at low A. And he was 18 years old at season start. 109 WRC plus at low A, 164 WRC plus at high A, and then only 10 games in double A, but a 185 WRC plus at that level. Well, the other thing that I want to point out is he probably has more chances to accumulate homers and and RBIs if you want if he doesn't take the bat out of his hands 18% of the time or pitchers don't take the bat out of his hands 18% of the time. So I think this is a a guy whose accumulation numbers can spike when he sees better pitching. And he started to see that in Portland, and you saw the production level up in Portland. So I think when this guy gets to the International League, like – Double A, Triple A, Eastern League, and IL. This guy is going to put up some counting numbers if he won those. I'm with you. You hit the nail on the head because do you remember our Dylan Cruz conversation? How patient hitters in low A, you know, it works to their disadvantage sometimes. Look at the strikeout rates by level for for Roman Anthony. You're 100% correct. I think as a guy that runs another another guy that runs low chase rates, perfect example of, of a very similar type of player who benefits from, you know, better pitching and a better strike zone. Here's the guy, Blake Dunn, as we wrap up the outfield side of things. Cincinnati Reds. I, I mean, this guy's stat line was just unreal. And, and there's a couple of thresholds that I was able to, to sort by that were really funny uh, that put him in some elite company. But first of all, here's the numbers between high end up boy for 24, now 25 year old Blake Dunn. 312, 425, 522 slash line, 17 doubles, 23 homers, 79 driven in, 54 stolen bases on 61 attempts. An 11% walk rate. This dude was an 11 or a 15th round pick in 2021. Added some more strength, added some more power, didn't compromise the speed. And in turn, we get a 2050 season here. Here's the list of players with 20 home runs and 50 stolen bases this year. Jonathan Class A, Ryan Bliss, <laughs> both of which are, are in Seattle. Class A playing a lot of his games in the Texas League, which of course is going to be a little bit more conducive to home runs. Bliss, Got to play a little bit in you know, Amarillo and Amarillo. Like he, he got some some friendly environments out there too. Not taking anything away from them, but Dunn played in the least hitter friendly environment. And those are also two prospects who are more highly regarded than Blake Dunn. Um, another fun threshold here. He was one of four players in the minor leagues with more than 50 stolen bases and a batting average over 300. Of course, you could guess that Victor Scott was one of those guys. Yes. But if you up that threshold to 310, Zero, just him. So one, he's the only guy. 
I mean, what a year for the Reds farmhand. I didn't know who he was until like <laughs> looking at the leaderboards of the all-star break. It's like, Oh, who is B period done. <laughs> and like, then you click and you go down the rabbit hole and you, you almost, you almost discount it because it's, Oh, he's a fifth. He's a 15th round pick. He's already 25 years old. Who cares? This is the beauty of the all MILB team done. And the next guy, Luke and Baker, like it, if you do this over the course of a year, you have to get some credit for yep. what you just did. And Blake yep. Dunn uh, is deserving of all this credit. And here's to hoping he gets that shot with the Reds next year, because obviously that speed is going to play. Um, and if you're hitting 23 homers, swiping 54 bags and getting on base at a 425 clip in double A too, man, that is, uh, yeah, he, that's pretty he's amazing. He's a prospect to me. I mean, top 100, he, no, but. He's, he's a prospect. I, I think there's a world where he is a contributor for the Reds next year. He can play all three outfield spots. That power is going to play up out there. He has some some EVs as high as 111, 112 miles per hour this year. There's there's juice there. You mentioned how the, the stolen bases, that's conducive to the new game and the way that we're seeing the game played. I I love Dunn as a you know platoon type. He demolishes left-handed pitching. He's going to, I think, force his way into some sort of role here, and that's, I think, a really cool story. The only reason why I knew who he was at all was when I was on the Cape, he was a born brave. And okay. I think he was from, like, Western Michigan or Central Michigan, one of those. Yeah, Western. And I just remember saying, shit, that guy's fast. But, I I mean, he did not have much going for him with the bat, but he was fast. And he did always have some draft intrigue because he was a freak athlete. And that's why he was on the Cape, but he's always hurt. And just that's why he got drafted a little bit later. I think he was a candidate to get drafted in 2020 with COVID, uh, mm-hmm. but then got the season got cut, had some opportunities to sign, didn't do it, ended up being a better financial decision for him. So instead of $20,000, I think he got, you know, 150, 200, whatever it was, but he could be younger. So that it worked against him, but I think in some ways worked in his favor. This is one of those guys where I do ignore the age a little bit. And to me, like, yes, is he a top 100 prospect like those other guys? Of course not, but he is a prospect and and he is a guy that I am, I'm paying attention to going into this next year. You think more so a prospect than Vaughn Brown? Because this is very Vaughn Brown from last year. Yes. Yes. I believe in him translating more. I a hundred percent do. I believe in the hit tool a lot more. And I think he's, yeah, I think he's going to carve out a role more, more likely than, than Vaughn Brown. Gotcha. Um, that is a good, that is a good comparison though. Honorable mentions, friend of the show, Justice Bigby. I mean, you could easily make the case for him in this group, as you mentioned. Um, I think with the separator here was just that Don had the bags and, and was, you know, among, among the, the leaders in that department. And then some of the thresholds that we we're able to sort by that he's, you know, in his own company kind of. Abimelech Ortiz, I mean, what was it? 30, how many home runs? 31. It was 33 homers and a hundred and something driven in. Yeah, I mean, Texas Rangers farmhand just, Big power. Lazaro Montes with Seattle. Colton Kowser with Baltimore. Victor Scott with St. Louis, of course, stole a trillion bases. Eston Kerstad with Baltimore. Sedan Rafaela with Boston. Pico Armstrong with Chicago. And then somehow Wyatt Langford was good I enough was, to put I, himself on this list. And I, I was going to say, sorry, I, I was going to say, like, when I was putting together this honorable mention group, I went back and I was like, how fucked would it be if I put Wyatt Langford on here? But he was fully deserving of it. What? So, I mean, you have to put him in there. It's what he did. I don't care if it was only for a couple months. It was he was one of the most impressive. He was the most impressive minor league player for 
pretty much the entirety of him being in the minor leagues. Yeah. Got to be worth something. Yeah. Luke and Baker in the designated hitter spot before we, we wrap up with, with pitchers. <laughs> this guy mashed. 84 games, 334, 440, 20 for the Cardinals AAA affiliate. 22 doubles, 33 homers, 98 driven in, 16% walk rate, 20% K rate. couple fun Luke and Baker stats. <laughs> he averaged a home run every two and a half games or every nine and a half at-bats. He was the only player in minor league baseball with a slugging percentage over 700. Both of those stats are hilarious to me, or all three of those, I guess. Um, but most notably, ups his batting average by 100 points, more than 100 points, ups the on-base percentage by more than 100 points, and uh, hits for more power. <laughs> he, he really did everything you'd want to see from a guy that was all power and nothing else last year. I think he was the Gatorade National Player of the Year when he was coming out of high school, and he was doing both at TCU. He was pitching and hitting. Um, and what, St. Louis grabbed him second round? It might be early. It might have been like third or fourth round. But Baker, you think Aranda is the guy that had the best statistical season in minor league baseball? I, I counter with 334, 33 homers, and 98 driven in in 84 games. Yeah. yeah. This one's pretty crazy. 720 slug is just hilarious. I think the next highest was Junior Severino at 680. Okay, by the way, Junior Severino is a guy to watch in the Twins organization. He hits bombs. He hits nukes. Um, Honorable mentions kind of tie in with the other positions that we talked about, of course. So um, that's kind of how that fit in there. On the pitching side, this is our minor league pitcher of the year. Um, Robbie Snelling, man. He was awesome. And the Padres do it again. They draft like the best of them. It's unbelievable. And Robbie Snelling, we've talked about him a bunch on the pod, but 22 starts between low A, high A, double A. Guy goes 11 and 3, a 182 ERA, 103 and two thirds innings, a 1.12 whip, 10 Ks per nine, three walks per nine. We talked about the power five offers he had as a linebacker. We talked about all the things that he was able to do on the football field. It translates on the mound to athleticism. And you pair that athleticism with polish, a three-pitch mix that he fills the strike zone up with. One five nine, or sorry, one five seven ERA through fifty-one and two-thirds innings at low A. That was his pro debut, by the way. Not no complex, nothing. That was his pro debut. Then they bump him up to high A, in thirty-four innings, thirty-four and two-thirds innings. There, a two-three-four ERA, up the strikeout rate, lowered the walk rate. Then at double A, some of the peripherals weren't as strong, but who cares? He pitched to a one five six as a nineteen-year-old lefty in double A. He's one of baseball's best pitching prospects, period. And you can make the case that he's baseball's best southpaw. If you, if, if you, you know, wanted to go that direction, I wouldn't knock anybody. I'm manifesting it now. I, he's going to be on the show this offseason, and I cannot wait to ask him so many questions. He, he followed the Just Baseball Instagram, and I sent him a note. Um, I, I, I'm Smelling hoping, did? Yeah. I sent him a note. Congratulations. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully he'll, uh, he'll, he'll come on there. So I, I'll, I'll see if he gets back to us on that one. But we can, we can push some buttons. We can try to get Snellen on here because I, I just want to pick his brain, man. He had a special, special year. And he's I mean, just a, a unique athlete. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this was a really fun year. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting him on here. We're we just going to talk football with him. Is that, You just want to talk college football with him? I don't think so. I think I was, t- I wanted to talk pitching with him, but oh, we yeah. can have some football conversation with him as well. I thought um, you were going to hit him with the same question you asked uh, Quinn Priester. Uh, how many yards he throw for at Ohio State's offense or something like that. But obviously, hey, come on. He did have a good answer, though. 
he did have a good answer. So we'll see if Robbie no, has a, a great good question. No, I, I do wonder how much Snelling misses football at this point when you can just go on the mound, not get hit and shove. Right. Um, I mean, he, he shoved. Yeah. Drew Thorpe. This guy was spectacular. Yeah. Uh, Yankees farmhand, second round pick, 2022, 23 starts, 14 and two, a 252 ERA, 139 innings, a 0.98 whip, 11.8 Ks per nine, 2.5 walks per nine. The he's a re, this is a really aesthetically pleasing stat line because no walks, a lot of Ks, low ERA, sign me up. It's a changeup that really dominates, but the fastball got better. His command is pinpoint. And the way he closed out the season, Jack, might be the most remarkable. Gets up to double A, and I'm like, okay, okay, fastball changeup guys, sometimes when they get to more challenging levels, it's not as good, right? They start to get hit a little bit harder. Not if you have the command that he has and the cutter that he has. So he goes to double A, 30 innings, 148 ERA, strikes out 44 and walks five. The other the other thing that jumps out to me, you mentioned the aesthetically pleasing, like the sub one whip is super aesthetically pleasing. Obviously, the mid twos um, and note there are two guys where we mentioned record. I personally am anti record unless it's notable. Um, but Snelling and Thorpe combined to go twenty five and five. And at that point, the record does kind of matter. Like yeah. I'm of the thinking that record doesn't matter Until unless you're a 20 game winner yeah. in the big leagues. But these guys, the record did kind of matter. The other number that jumps out to me here, obviously the ERA, great. The punch out's great. The walk's great. Whip, great. 139 and a third innings. Yeah. This guy across 23 starts averaged over six innings per start. Really nobody in the minor leagues does that, especially in high A and double A. The guys that do that in the minor leagues are the Caleb Bosleys of the world. They're the 28-year-old pitchers in AAA that are willing to run themselves into the ground. Thorpe is a guy with legitimate prospect intrigue. And the fact that he threw nearly 140 innings in the minor leagues as a prospect this year is fascinating to me. And his first, you know, really full pro season. And I think that's a really important note, Jack, because he's built up and I think they got to feel pretty good about him potentially slotting into the rotation at some point next year. I know the Yankees like to go outside for arms, which is always weird. And I think this might be that. Yeah, yeah, like you, you might have some guys here. Like I know that just because they're not Garrett Cole doesn't mean you shouldn't give some of these guys a crack. If this is your number four, number five type, you might be better for you than Frankie Montes was, right? Like stop rolling the dice on guys outside the organization when you got some guys like Drew Thorpe, who I think could actually be a really nice four for you and give you flashes of a three. Like for the love of God, can we just try a future rotation of Cole, Rodon, Thorpe, Hampton, and uh, Will Warren? Like that I would be that. fun. That'd be great. No, but they have to have eight-year vets in the rotation. What's yeah. amazing with Thorpe, too, is it's low it's low velocity. So I do feel like those guys, and I don't have a ton of science to back it, but I think the general science backs it. It's like those are the guys that usually can be more durable, right? If, you, if you're operating 91, 92, you can be more durable. And he'll grab the threes and fours, but he mostly sits in the low 90s, spots it, good shape, good changeup. It's a guy that can stay healthy, I think, too. And, and I think that's a big reason why they were willing to stretch him out to 139 this year, which is, as you mentioned, I, I'd love to try to pull, like, who are the last prospects under 25 years old who have thrown more than 130 innings? I don't think it's a ton of them over the last few years. I wouldn't say there's very many. I'll find it. 
Cade Horton, a guy who they did have to manage innings, and I'm glad they did because, you know, he had never thrown more than like 50 innings at all. Uh, he only threw 50 innings in college, but the Cubs farmhand, I mean, he was as impressive as anybody this year as well. Low A, high A, double A, 21 games, 265 ERA, 88 in the thirds innings. That's not counting the postseason starts, too, by the way, which he was very good in. So, in the true body of work, he's closer to 100 this year, which is a, a sizable workload. 0.99 whip, 12 Ks per nine, 2.8 walks per nine. What stands out most to me, Jack, is we're looking at a guy that when he was drafted number seven overall, Cubs, some Cubs fans were up in arms. And I get it. You don't really know what you're getting here because it was a guy that had a few good starts down the stretch of his collegiate career, but it only had a few starts, period, in his collegiate career. Tommy John, two-way player, all that good stuff. So the Cubs identified a guy that they could buy low on and, and turn into a you know turn into a stud with them. And that's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah, the data on his four pitches, man, like I, I, this is one of the only guys that has four pitches in the minor leagues that all look like big league offerings to me. And he already has the command. He's built up big time this year and looks like he's good. You know, I, we'll see how he comes back next year after, you know, career high in workload. I thought the Cubs did a good job of giving him a little lull in the middle and then managing the inning so that he could keep pitching through the end of the year. But I mean, this is one of the best pitching prospects in baseball, and he was just lights out all year. He was excellent. Um, first guy since Grayson Rodriguez to have four-plus offerings. Uh, yeah. Yeah, or at least four four offerings that are above average to plus. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. That's that's good company. And just assuming you can stretch out a little bit more fastball up to 98, you know, we, we, we've seen him just hum that thing in there, finding the changeup so quickly. The last thing I'll mention with him is you had those last couple postseason starts, which would have actually improved his overall numbers. He surrendered one run over his final three starts, two of which were in the postseason for the Smokies, where he was, again, just lights out there. So a really fantastic season for a guy that is arguably baseball's best pitching prospect. Yeah, I was going to ask, so – are you pro Horton over Tiedemann? Yes. Are you pro Horton over Snelling? Yes. How about Horton over Skeens? That's yeah. one where before we finalize this top 100, I'm getting in the lab with you. Cool. And we're going to, we're going to, because I know you're going to be pro Skeens. You are going to be pro Skeens. Yeah. A hundred's a hundred. Let's get in the lab. I'll make our case. We'll get on a little zoom and then people that, Check out the top 100 final update when it comes out. Are gonna, uh, I, I guess, kind of hear the, the the result of this. Eileen Skeens because of 100 to 100, the slider's insane. But there's some things to Cade Horton that you know make me think that he might be a better big league pitcher long term. So it, it, it's a, it's an interesting conversation, and I do think that you can throw Job in that conversation now too. Oh yeah, true. So it's fun. Uh, here's a great other name that's kind of in between in terms of like the prospect relevance, not a top 100 guy, definitely not a non prospect. He's definitely a relevant prospect, but Carlos F Rodriguez and God bless you. If you try to search Carlos Rodriguez on fan graphs, doesn't work. Good luck. Good <laughs> luck. But Carlos F Rodriguez, I got my first look at him in the WBC and I got some looks there where I was like, okay, that looks good. That change up is, is nasty. My concern is what else is there? <laughs> um, what he does kind of hedge with the lack of fastball quality and, you know, being changeup dependent is 
an assortment of pitches. He'll come at you with a cutter, a four-seamer, a sinker, uh, a curveball. Uh, he'll manipulate to a slider. But it's all about the changeup. And he throws that pitch more than any, and he carved through double-A with that. Got one start in triple-A, uh, and that was you know his, his one little taste there. That's where he'll start next year in Nashville. But a 2 8 ADRA in 26 starts, 128 innings, another guy who built up. It seems to be that these lower-velocity guys, they're more willing to you know let go a little bit. A 1.12 whip, 11 Ks per nine, four walks per nine. I mean, you take out the one AAA start where he has the welcome to AAA, it's a 2.77 ERA. I mean, that's fantastic stuff from Rodriguez, who it looks like he could be a nice little you know back end of the rotation piece for them. Still very young at 21, so we'll see if he gets an uptick in velocity as well. That was the other thing that jumped out to me, and I was thinking that there were you know maybe some other guys that could have cracked the first team over Carlos Rodriguez, but then I remembered that he's a 21-year-old that put up a sub-three in double-A across yeah. that many innings. If he was 24, he's probably not in the first team. He's not on our – he's an honorable mention. But he's 21 years old. So this guy, like he might not even be done physically maturing. So the fastball could tick up, but, man, that changeup was unhittable this year. I mean, it was it was really impressive. He had to rely on it a little bit too much at times, and I think that was the few times that he did get hit a little bit. But yeah. again, he was still incredibly effective, and I thought had a really strong season overall. And that changeup and the innings again. You talk about the innings, 128 and a third's innings. When we're talking about best pitchers in the minor leagues, the guys that really had the big workload. I know that it's out of some guys' control, but you got to credit the guys that were out there and just doing it for 120 plus. I mean, that's, you just don't see it that often. For sure. Last starter before we get to our two relievers, Chase McDermott, Baltimore Orioles. I mean, it was, it's always been about the command for this guy. I know you're a big McDermott guy, chirp, chirp, ball state, but this is somebody that even if the command was below average, he'd get out and have a season like this. The command was below average this year. And he had a great year. If he can get the command to fringy, He'll be a middle of the rotation starter type. And there are some starts that I watch where he was darn right unhittable. And, and, and you see it in the, in the overall numbers, 26 games, 22 starts, three, one, zero ERA, 119 innings, 1.15 whip, 11 and a half Ks per nine, five walks per nine. If it weren't for the walks, the whip would be sub one because opponents hit like a buck 70 off him this year. It's a pair of hammer breaking balls, a lively fastball, and a splitter as well. I mean, it's a nightmare. You're really not game planning for Chase McDermott. You're just kind of just trying to survive up there and work a walk. Again, opponents hit below them in Dozalon, a buck 67 against him. He closed out the year with a 2-1-1 ERA over his final eight starts. And another fun Chase McDermott stat, he struck out at least seven batters on a dozen occasions. I mean, that's half of his starts. He struck out a dozen batters, or he struck out at least uh, seven batters. That's insane. It's it's nasty stuff. So here was like the query that I did um, that really sold me on McDermott being in the first team over a guy like Job who was injury hampered and uh, over a guy like Will Dion, who's just ridiculous. Um, Chase McDermott, if you sort qualified starters in the minor leagues across full season minor league baseball, qualified starters, he is number one in batting average against. Opponents hit a buck 67 against him in 119 innings. The next best is 182. And then Carlos Rodriguez was at 187. Mick Abel was at 192. Drew Thorpe was at 200. There were five guys that were under 200. And the fact that McDermott 
was 15 points better than any other qualified starter in minor league baseball, totally sold me. And, and this is the year that I think you dream of when you think of Chase McDermott. And I think, you know, when when Mike Elias grabbed him, this was a complicated deal. Siri went from Houston to Tampa. McDermott went from Houston to Baltimore in this Mancini deal. I think you knew that you were getting a guy that could be a reliever, but you had in the back of your mind this. Yeah. And the fact that he showed this could make him a steal in that Mancini deal. A hundred percent. And I think he already looks like it. And, yeah. and, and even if it doesn't all come together, he's a swingman type that could be dirty for you. Like exactly. Tanner Houck style. Um, DL Hall. Yeah. DL Hall. And give you flashes of, you know, you got to plug and play. He can give you some dominant outings when you when you plug him in. It's all about the consistency, but he's trending in that direction. We'll see if he can continue to do that. If you can get DL Hall to throw strikes, I think they can get him to throw strikes and less injury history uh, to to potentially be able to keep him in the starting rotation. Honorable mentions: Jackson Job. It was really about workload for him. You know, if he was able to throw more innings, he's obviously in here. Will Dion with Cleveland. Will Warren with the Yankees. Yoniel Cure with Tampa Bay. Clayton Beater with the Yankees. DJ Hurst, strong finish of the year. It looks great in the Arizona Fall League. Chicago and now with Washington. Julian Aguiar with Cincinnati, really underrated season. Allen Winnens with Atlanta, really solid year. And Max Radchich with St. Louis, great year at the lower levels. Yep. Relief pitchers to wrap up on this episode. Orion Kirkering, we've talked about him on here. <laughs> How often does a guy start in low A and finish the year pitching in the postseason, potentially in the World Series? with the Philadelphia Phillies, 49 games, a 1-5-1 ERA, 53 and two-thirds innings, 0.89 whip, 13 Ks per nine, two walks per nine, 14 saves. All of those numbers would be better if you include the big league numbers, which is even more absurd. <laughs> it's, it's just wild. Now you understand why they drafted a reliever in the fifth round in 2022. <laughs> they saw this. They saw an 80 slider. They saw a fastball that can touch 100, and they said, this is a guy that's going to be in our bullpen within the next two years, and here he is. And here he is helping them potentially get to the World Series again. Uh, listen, everybody wants Ben Joyce when Kirkering was the better answer. <laughs> Isn't that wild? It's crazy. Go and, to the American Athletic Conference. Those guys aren't always in the SEC. He throws his slider 52% of the time in the minor leagues this year and picks up a 108 opponent batting average, a 51% strikeout rate. Fastball touches 100. This dude is going to be a menace out of the bullpen for years to come. It's just been a really fun, a really fun guy to follow. Uh, beyond just the name, <laughs> it's a sick yeah. name. It's just been awesome to see somebody start in low A and be where he is and just not be phased. I wouldn't be phased either if I threw 100 with that slider. Like, I, I think a lot of things would scare me, and I think being on a big league stage would scare me. But if I had those two pitches, I think I'd be okay. Yeah, like I think it's like it's like have, it's I don't know it's just like having like one of those suits if you're gonna go like and, and handle a wasp nest but you got yeah. a full suit where you know no one can sting you to me a hundred with that slider is like a suit where you're impenetrable and that's basically what he he has been he's, he's been untouchable I I would assume this guy is really confident because you know yeah you're seeing the Atlanta Braves and the NLDS that's a disgusting pitch to get Jesus Sanchez. Um, but he has to like remember, hey, my shit's really good. Like I can go punch out Acuna with my stuff. And yep. I don't know if he has the right people reminding him or if he has the ability to remind himself, but he's he's amazing. And I can't wait to watch him 
deal. And I hope he gets closer reps for the Phillies next year. I think he will. Um, you know, I think it'll be kind of by committee, and I think he will absolutely. Uh, yeah. Because you, you saw the clip that I just played on the slider; it's so good that he can go to lefties with that. And yeah. and when you can go lefty righty with that pitch, good luck. Last guy, another diabolical slider, just not as good of a fastball, and that's the only differentiator here. But Anthony Maldonado, the Marlins, what a year he had! If he didn't get hurt in around June time. He probably gets a big league opportunity with the Marlins. Probably he's in that bullpen down the stretch and maybe even in the playoffs. 2023 and AAA and including, you know, a couple of rehab starts in low A. 37 games, a 162 ERA, 50 innings, a 0.90 whip, 14 Ks per nine, four walks, nine saves. The, the amazing thing about him is his slider was somehow more dominant than Orion Kirkring's. I, I don't know how or why. I'm not saying it's better, but. In AAA exclusively as well, which is also an incredible note. Yep. 120 at-bats against his slider. Opponents at 067 with a 57% strikeout rate. That's 8 for 120. Like, that's insane. Fastball got crushed. And that's the problem for him is Kirkering. You know, he throws his fastball more, and he can because it's upper 90s. Maldonado, it's a flatter, dead zone 93 So he has to throw the slider even more. I don't care. Because, like, this will play in a bullpen. Um, this guy was one of the most dominant relievers in, in minor league baseball. And when he returned from injury, he made 11 appearances for Jacksonville. He gave up one run, 0.59 ERA since returning from injury. So he's a guy that's poised to break camp with the Marlins as well. And I think we'll be in their bullpen next year. He's also a physical specimen. Like, I think that's really underrated. He's an intimidating person. And I think that Scott Kornberg did a great job with, with this great use of the emoji numbers, but oh, great. Um, he, he's one of the better relievers in, in all of minor league baseball. And I think that these numbers totally speak to that. Yeah. First in ERA. And this is among the uh, international league first in ERA first in K percentage first in K to BB first in swinging strike fourth in X fit ninth and fit. That'll play other notable names, honorable mentions, King Abner Uribe I actually pulled one of his autographs recently, which is pretty funny. If I'm going to pull a reliever card, Give me an Abner Uribe. Luis Guerrero with Boston, some crazy K numbers. Eric Miller with Philly. Great to see his name, you know, kind of back in the fold again. Antoine Kelly, another name, you know, with Texas. Nice to see him kind of back involved again. And then Lou Arbert Arias with the Marlins. Crazy year at the lower levels. So that'll do it, man. This was a really fun piece to put together. I appreciate you helping me, you know, compile these names here. And I, it was a lot of fun just, just going through this. Now we transition into top 100 finalizing time. And then also we're going to do a superlatives episode. I want to do, you know, kind of, we'll like give out our own just baseball awards, but have more fun with it. It's not just gonna be like best hitter. It'll be best change up, but you know, best specific things, some funny things, some interesting things, and, and just try to have some fun with numbers and do some superlatives there. TBD on whether that's going to be before or after the top 100. I might do some, we might do it built baked into like some top 100 superlatives, but stay tuned for that. Um, please leave a rating uh, and help us grow this podcast. If you could write a quick review, that would be awesome. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe. And again, you can check out the whole article linked in the episode description. We'll probably, if we don't check in at the end of the week with uh, a little bit of top 100 conversation, we'll have something else, some Arizona Fall League updates, other things there. And uh, at the very least, the top 100 will be finalized on Monday. But definitely looking forward to that. As always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow or Friday. 
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.